Take that! Welcome to Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark, and I'm joined with my co-host, Ben. G'day, Ben. How are you? I'm good, Theo. How are you doing tonight? Really well. Um, you're not meant to say tonight because now you're oh, giving it away. You're going to oh, freak okay. out the listeners because they might be listening to it in the morning on their commute or the evening on the way home, but not okay, at night so time. We... So good oh. morning, good evening, good afternoon, good insert appropriate time. Um, Neutral time slot, yeah. 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 <laughs> they might be listening. This could be listened to in, in years to come. This is I've got gold. People will be listening to this. Well, it's... Wow. It'll be morning somewhere on Earth. Yeah. So. It'll be. This is going to be yeah. like the wire where we'll get cancelled and then people are going to review it years later saying, why'd they cancel this show? Um, for people who haven't seen the wire, you really should see it's a great show. Uh, <laughs> all right. Wow, off topic already, off to a great start. Um, this uh, episode, we're going to look at the um, fallacy or the, the flawed bit of reasoning, unfounded generalisation. Um, it is one that uh, probably have covered... Uh, not directly in previous episodes, but we're going to focus on this this one in this episode. And because we haven't um, done it in a previous episode, going to begin with a reading from the book. I feel a bit religious when I say that. Now we will begin with a reading from the book. Not sure if there's some unconscious things going on there, but anyway, it should be the Bible for skeptics, obviously. Uh, alrighty, but anyway, let's. Go. I'll stop speaking crap right now. Unfounded generalization, other terms and or related concepts, unwarranted inference, false generalization, overgeneralization, stereotyping. Description. There are two fairly distinct forms of unfounded generalization which may nevertheless blend into each other. They are false generalization and overgeneralization. A false generalization may involve drawing a conclusion about an issue based on too small a sample or an atypical case. It involves making a claim about a group which is untrue or unsubstantiated. An example would be a statement such as, both my grandfathers were heavy smokers and died of old age in their 90s, so I don't think smoking causes lung cancer. An overgeneralization, on the other hand, is a blanket statement which asserts that a whole group has a certain characteristic when the characteristics in question may only be widespread or typical of the group rather than universal. Example, Cecily Backspace has just completed a study of gender and leadership based on open-ended interviews with bosses and workers. She's written an article for Financial World Weekly purporting to be based on her work. In the introduction to the article, she states, It is commonly accepted that women in leadership positions build consensus in work teams, whereas men seek to dominate through competition. My research project seeks to identify the impact of such leadership styles on subordinates. Comment. It may or may not be true that on average women in leadership positions seek to build consensus, but Cecily's blanket statement above suggests that this is her a priori belief. Even if it is true that on average women seek to build consensus when compared to men, her assertion that women in leadership positions build consensus is much too unequivocal. If what she asserts were literally true, then there'll be no autocratic female politicians and no consensus building male leaders. Two more examples. A, men are smarter than women, is a false generalization because it is untrue. And B, men are taller than women, is a true generalisation given the unstated assumption that it only applies on average and not to particular individuals. Unfounded generalisations are often the core of racial or gender stereotypes. For example, a person may assume all members or almost all members of a racial or cultural group that are, vi are violent because of the two individuals from the group they met in an alley last week were violent. 
It is generally the case that people living in contemporary cosmopolitan cultures are sensitised to issues such as racism and sexism. They know they shouldn't hold negative stereotypes about vulnerable groups in society, even if a member of such a group assaulted them with a broken beer bottle last night in the hotel car park. Negative stereotypes are readily recognised as unfounded generalisations. Generally, people tend to avoid them because they understand they should not prejudge an individual because of their group association or characteristics. However, people are less likely to recognise the flawed reasoning in positive stereotypes. Consider the following statement. Indigenous peoples are more spiritual than people living in industrialised societies. Few would take, take offence at such a statement, but it is nevertheless a blanket assertion offered without evidence. As stated, it is clearly an unfounded generalisation and just as logically flawed as a negative stereotype. And if you haven't seen the uh, cartoon associated with that one, it's one of my favourite ones that my father, Jeff, did. It's a good old one um, with our Hitler being a little bit upset with being stereotyped as a Nazi. <laughs> um, okay, so that was our reading from the book. Um, now, the clips we're going to look at um, in this episode uh, come from one of the uh, shows that's been on air in Australia for quite some time now called Q&A or Quanda, so Questions and Answers. It's on the ABC, our public broadcaster, and it's a panel uh, show. They invite different guests on, usually some politicians and some media commentators and so on, and occasionally some scientists and philosophers and people like that. Um, It's something that I certainly used to watch a lot of, but it's kind of gotten a little bit um, repetitive. Uh, I don't know if you agree with me on that one, Ben. Uh, I don't know. I I put it on every now and again. Tony, Tony Jones, the host, is always entertaining. Yeah, yeah. I've, see, see I, do, I beg to differ. I find him oh, irritating. Okay. I used to really like him. But just of late, I just, yeah, I just find him to be a terrible moderator. However, he did win me back with the clip that I'm going to play at the end because he was really funny in this clip. And so I've well, got to give you credit where credit's due. But, yeah, I've just, maybe it's just, you know, familiarity with someone. You get sick of him after a while. So I'm, I've started to find him quite um, irritating as a host. Uh, <laughs> that's just me. Um but, uh, yeah, look, occasionally they'll have on, you know, some international authors and people who are scientists who are coming around to promote books and things like that. So they've had, you know, people like Richard Dawkins. Um, Brian Cox. Uh, Brian Cox. Um, uh, uh, what's his face? The um, American Harvard physicist. Um, Lawrence Krauss. Yeah, Lawrence Krauss, yeah, and so on. People like that have been on and they've yeah. been really good guests. So I'll, I'll generally try and watch it when they've got some interesting person because then the topics won't just be the usual Australian political stuff, which is just really repetitive. Um, and pr- particularly boring as well. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, you know, climate change debate that we've been having for the um, last, you know... 15, 20 years. Yeah, it hasn't moved on. It's just the same thing over and over again. But, look, that's probably pretty boring for our um, international audience. So... Yeah. Uh, what, what what I've done, however, is, is taken some clips from um, Baroness uh, Susan Greenfield from the United Kingdom, from and she's um, uh, a, a, um, a neuroscientist as her, her profession, uh, so if people aren't familiar with her. But over the last few years, she has um, really gotten on to talking about uh, how technology is potentially changing our brains. Um, and she's written a lot of, in my view, um, fairly typical, the world's ending kind of scare yeah, pieces it's, um, it's that every moral, generation seems moral, to write. The moral panic of their moral moment. Moral panic, yeah. yeah. And it, in my view, it's it's the you go back and look at the writings of the ancient Greeks and they talked about um, 
you know, people learning how to read would be devastating for our memory because, you know, blah, blah, blah. So every, almost every generation, anytime new technology or something new comes along, they have yeah. a moral panic about it. Uh, or radio is going to ruin the kids. Yeah, that's right. And to be nice fair, radio. that one turned out true. <laughs> <laughs> have yeah, you heard the crap that's in the top 40 these days? Um, oh, hang on. That's what my parents used to say about my music. Uh, <laughs> so so that's one of the issues. Now, that doesn't mean what she says couldn't be right, um, but I, I've, certainly in the clips we're going to play, I think she makes a lot of unfounded generalisations. They're either false or overgeneralizations, um, and that's why I thought they'd be good uh, to look at. Um, I'll say outright, it's a whole hour-long show, and so she talks about about a lot of things. And so this episode really has obviously stacked the deck. Um, but you know, it's a show about looking at fallacies and false arguments. Um, so in the actual episode, which I'll put the link to the original um, video, she says some good points and and to make some you know says a lot of good things as well. So I don't want to act like she's you know a moron or something like that. She's obviously a really smart woman, um, a good writer. Uh, but, yeah, but we're obviously picking out some of the flawed arguments here. All right, Ben, you ready to get to it? Uh, yes, let's let's go. Okay, so let's have a listen to the um, first clip uh, from the episode. Good evening and welcome to q and I'm Tony Jones. Joining us tonight, renowned neuroscientist Susan Greenfield, who believes pervasive digital technology is rewiring our brains. The shadow... Uh, someone once said, for every, <laughs> someone said for every complex situation, there's always a simple answer and it's always wrong. And I think this is a really complex situation. And I think we can unpack your question. Um, I think the first thing is that technology isn't, like most things, wholly good or wholly bad. It's like saying, is a car good or bad? Um, but what we need to explore is the lifestyle that technology is giving many people when you could wake up in the morning and you could go shopping, you could work, you could um, play games, you could go dating, all without seeing another human being for the whole day. And that's why I argue this technology is creating an environment that's different from the technological impact um, of past inventions and the environments that they created. Yeah, so that was um, a clip there, and I think the the, the way I edited that too, because she had a really good point, which is you know to very um, uh, complex questions there can be simple answers that are wrong, which is a great little motto to have. But then she goes on and gives a bunch of simple answers, which I, which you know the irony I thought was was quite there, and the real overgeneralization <clears throat> there, or even unfounded generalization, is she she says we live in a society where a person could 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 they could stay in all days. And so it's like, well, does does that person actually exist? It's certainly in great enough numbers for us to even care about. There's, there's a, there's a, I think there's an element of begging the question in this as well, isn't there, Theo? It's like oh, she, and she, she, she's assuming that not only is there people that could do that, but that that is also a bad thing in itself. Yeah, that's right, she's, absolutely. And, yeah, and it's yeah. like even if it was true, she hasn't demonstrated that that is bad. I mean, there's always been people who like being by themselves. I don't... Yeah, it's there's this underlying assumption that people who like being on their own are bad. There's something wrong with them as well. Yeah, well, certainly even that. if the rest of it, what she was saying was 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 right, it's like yeah. The the interesting I, thing. Sorry, go on. Sorry, I was going to say I immediately when I was listening to that, I was think I was thinking about um, 
lighthouse keepers who used to live on <laughs> live on their own for like months on their end on end without see, speaking to anyone else except on a radio i mean well, I did make the mistake of visiting a lighthouse one night, and I don't want to mm. go into the details, but he was a strange, strange man, and I have <laughs> sorry, actually, that she may have a point now that you raise a lighthouse example. Oh, okay. <laughs> My therapist says, anyway, you know, I've, I've worked through those things, what happened. Um, but, yeah, and, and the thing, and obviously because I'm just selecting a small portion, she in that you know she makes that um that caricatured stereotype of the computer nerd in the basement you know and it's such an easy thing to go to and people make that have been making that stereotype about social media and the internet forever um but then later on in the episode and i don't have this clip because you know it was too much but then goes on to the um someone talking about oh well, we're more connected now than ever we know because we we you know communicate online and blah 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 and then she says oh well now all the connecting we're doing is changing our brain. So on one hand, we are we never connect with anyone, and we're indoors all day, yeah. and we just sit on the internet all day. On the other hand, we're over connecting. So and then she says the obvious thing later, which is, um, well, by um, you know, or it's the obvious thing that brains are changed based on experience, and so it's this obvious truism. And and so it's like, well, of course, yes, these experiences are changing our brain, but are any of these experiences fundamentally different? Than anything else, you know. Or, so, or, or what's the evidence for it? And even if it is true, are they bad? That's so right. Yeah, yeah. She's just assuming that any changes are bad, and that so it's like yeah, one well, like, that we're, we're losing our, our, are, our yeah. memories are probably nowhere near as good as they used to be. But so what? Yeah, but people, people like I mean, uh, before everyone was literate, people used to have all these mental exercises they would do to help them remember things. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And do we and want to go back to that or not? Yeah, I know. No, not really. Slide <laughs> for one, do not. Uh, what were they called? They actually had a special name. Mnemonics. Mnemonics. Yeah, yeah, no, the it's it's off that it's off that route. Uh, um yeah. I, I can't remember, but yeah, I know I can probably Google it later. Yeah. That's the irony. Neither of us can yeah. remember what they're yeah. called, but you know, but we'll just Google it later if I really yeah. give a shit, which I don't. Um, yeah, and and that's the the issue is. So she, to me, she has made a, you know, first of all, it's a hypothetical point, um, and then she's generalising that experience to all the experiences. But you know, we can all generalise from our own experiences. So I would say, if anything, um, the the main worry she's she's got which she talks a bit a little about in the episode is around the over distraction i think that's possibly an issue because you know we're all you're working and you've got your email open you've got your phone texting and you look look around on any public transport people are always doing 10 things at once i can't do the washing up without listening to a podcast you know otherwise i'm like oh i'll be alone with my thoughts um but you know and that's if you had my thoughts you'd understand why i try to avoid them but you know it's one of those things where you go as you said is it necessarily a bad thing? And the, that's, I think, the, why she, when she talks about it, she kind of says we should investigate and explore this, absolutely. But then when she talks about it in newspaper columns and then also, I, again, the caveat, I haven't read her book either, um, The uh, it's that moral panic about it, like the techno panic, this is, this is going to be bad. And then they later on backtrack and say, oh, no, I'm just saying we should explore it. Yeah, but you've made all these, linked all these things together and tried to draw all these um bits of disparate evidence together to paint a particular picture and the picture she's trying to paint is one of we should be really worried about this kind of stuff yeah it's she definitely has an agenda i think 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, and, you know, we all and, do, but yeah, she and that doesn't. I don't mean that in like a kind of a malicious way, I suppose. But she's obviously got her particular. Uh, what's that word I'm looking for, Theo? Uh, lame. Her, look at me, everybody. Her, her, her particular barrow she's pushing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't want to call her a lame celebrity, but it's pretty close to that. Um, look, the and and the um, the real uh, you know issue I suppose I take is that she, because of her position, she can then go and make these kind of fairly um, headline grabbing statements. But then, how does she back it up with real science? You know, that's the issue. That's right. Yeah, she if she appeals to her her authority as a neuroscientist. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of which, Ben, it's almost like you knew what was coming up. I might move this <laughs> to the next clip. That's a good segue into the next clip. So let's have a listen to this one. Concerned that we've we've got one scientist on the panel and the rest of the panel aren't. And one of the things that Susan in her book says is that the input-output processing, in fact, de degrades scientific thinking. And I think we just had an example of it because Laura, in response to peer-reviewed research, responded, in my personal experience. Mm, exactly. And I'm just intrigued as to whether the panel recognises that what Susan has been talking about is a thing called science and everyone Thank else you. is talking about his personal experience. Yes. Well, uh, I, I realise. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but I'd also say this. Thank you. But the scientists, there are plenty of scientists who disagree with you, as you know. Well, no. In Britain, and, uh, yes, well, no, that's can true, because I've, say, I've read several no. of them at least. No, so. no, then. Uh, and, just, and the other thing they that. say is that you don't do your own peer yes, review well, exactly. research, you well, review other people's No, work. well, let me just deal with that, yeah. because I think this is a misconception. When you say there's plenty of scientists, there's one or two journalists, an extreme, but on the whole, as the gentleman there said, um, a peer-reviewed paper is a peer-reviewed paper, irrespective of who has done it, right? Mm. Its validity stands and falls by its merits of its content, not by the authorship. In my case, when I talk about mind change, it's such an umbrella issue. It embraces disciplines ranging from molecular biology through to sociology, and no single scientist ever would do that whole range of things. Yeah? So it's a rather strange um, sidetracking to try and chop someone off at the knees when really we should be exploring and talking about the papers and the science. Who's done them is irrelevant, yeah? It's, as the gentleman said, how they're discussed and debated and what they show. And again... All I'm saying, when you say people disagree with me, what baffles me is what hypothesis they're disagreeing with, because all I'm saying is we need to look at the science, we need to have these kind of debates, which is, look how animated and, you know, controversial it is. That's a healthy society, and that's what we want. And how can anyone disagree with that? I don't think they can. No. Let's move back to the uh, real world. Yeah, so that was, a, a, as you, you know, craftily led into that clip, it was a really good example of um, uh, appeal to authority. Uh, but in a way, it was legitimate because one thing that happened in that clip earlier, and that's why I raised it, was she did talk about some of the research and then the other one of the other panelists responded about their own personal experience, and that happens in nearly any debate you can think of. And the questioner made the point that she's a scientist, and science versus personal experience is is how you should play these things. You, know, you should obviously go with the science. The problem is, as Tony Jones was again, look, Hat Tippy did well in this one. Uh, she she's not arguing the point of you know this a scientific consensus like we would say there might be with climate change or evolution or something like that. Yeah. Um, she's saying 
she's a single scientist, but then trying to argue like there's some kind of consensus on her views, and no, there bloody isn't. And did you notice how she was immediately defensive and and went went from pushing her position that ba it's all bad to we sh and retreated from that and said, oh, all I'm saying is we should just look at this. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, so almost moving the goalposts again. Yeah. 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 So that, that's that's it, the that's it. sorry. Keep going. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, and Tony Jones has obviously done his homework because he was onto her straight away, wasn't he? Saying yeah, that, yeah, yeah. bringing up the because she is quite uh, controversial, isn't she? There's not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, if anything, all the blogs and websites I read, which are written by scientists. Um, not journalists. They're certainly, like the Guardian or what, it will have a um, journalist write a review. But if you go and read um, websites or blogs by actual um, people who know, like epidemiologists or people who know how to actually review literature, um, and also neuro neuroscientists, and I'll put some of the um, uh, um, uh, links to a couple of reviews in the show notes by neuroscientists, and they just absolutely rip into her because the issue is. She again, she says these are these scientific papers, but she's not taking the conclusions of a yeah. paper and just sticking with the conclusion. She overgeneralizes and extrapolates from these conclusions. So she gets yeah. a little bit of data, which is a preliminary investigation, and then makes this massive overgeneralization or even false generalization. And some of them, even the arguments from imagination, as I, as I coined them in a previous yep. episode, where it's in my imagination, if this happens, then this will happen. Yeah. Um, and the other thing the reviews say, and again, I haven't read the book myself. But the review says she continually makes a correlation error where she sees two things are correlated and says, well, the technology caused this or this is what's happened. Yeah, yeah. correlation, confusing correlation and causation. Yeah, yeah. And the, the other, the other um, big criticism of her work is that, which is a big no-no in social science research, is um, using the results of of, uh, of one, of one uh, bit of research as data for another question that they were never that the experiment wasn't designed to me to measure yes yeah exactly yep Bas basically um, she's she's as she said this uh, issue covers a whole broad range of of scientific areas and so what she's done is she's taken a whole bunch of studies across neuroscience and molecular biology and sociology and all that and psychology and all those sorts of things and just grabbed all these different studies that support her position. And the problem is that a lot of these studies are measuring other things. So she's taking their data and then extrapolating it or using it to in a kind of a um, meta-analysis to, um, to buttress her argument. And you've got to be really careful when you're doing meta-analysis with those sorts of things, because it's very easy to bias your result because of your own inherent um, selection bias. Because you you'll you'll just pick studies that support your position. Yeah, and one of the um the, the dangers of, of that kind of thing too is as you and the really specific example you gave would be if a particular research paper is designed or you know study is designed to look at you know hypothesis X. But yeah. then out of some of the results, they also find some interesting thing why, and they yeah. write about that. Well, that's interesting, but that just says, well, now you should investigate and test that hypothesis, not you should build that's any conclusion right, yeah. on that. And that's the, that's a real issue. But yeah, the way I, I talk about it is basically she's selecting and interpreting papers and research to build her own narrative. Yes. Again, I haven't read the book, so maybe she does 
find the ones that go against her position, but not from what I've read. And so what she's basically doing is a, a case of post hoc rationalization. Yeah. And because she's so smart, she's really good at it. And and that's yeah. one of the things. And so, um, yeah, but, but where you can find some of the holes is even just things about when she's contradictory about some of those issues, you know. And so I talked about that before. You know, some research shows that um, or some worries around people are indoors all day and not going outside and communicating and interacting with people. But then later on, oh, people are too connected and seeing you know, that. So it's kind of like, well, it could be both. It could be one extreme or the other. But she never ties those bows together. The only yeah. thing I know that, that she said in the whole episode, and I don't have this clip that, that I really think is important to know in, in the research on this is quite conclusive, is around the whole multitasking thing, which we're all trying to do lots of now. Um, and people say, oh, I'm a good multitasker, I'm not. Well, the research around that is conclusively no one is a good multitasker. Well, you yeah. task quite well, and there's a there's a, um, a a change cost. So when you're changing what you're switching cost, when you're switching tasks, there's yeah. another cost to doing that. Yeah. So You that actually do two, two, two tasks worse than if you'd done them one after another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you should focus, you know, have focus on things. And, and the reason why I know a little bit of that is because I'm reading about that in terms of educational stuff as well. So when you're... Um, you know, trying to learn something, then you've got to get rid of all the distractions. So I utilise that at work all the time now where I have focused time on something and close down the email and all that kind of stuff. But the rest of the stuff is quite still quite preliminary and let alone talking about the effects of, you know, smartphones and social media like Twitter and things like Facebook and stuff like that. I mean, it's so early on. None of the research could be conclusive yeah. about anything. And, and the, the other thing she talks about in the episode is like um, the plasticity of the brain. And that's all very new as well. I mean, that's all sort of pretty cutting-edge stuff. I mean... But also, it's just a truism, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it's just like a nothing statement. It's like, yes, yeah, the brain yeah. changes when you do stuff. Whoop-de-doo. You know, as you said at the beginning, what is the change and is that change a bad thing or a good yeah. thing? How do we decide, you know? So, yeah, like I would bet a lot of money we are much worse at memorising things than we used to be, but I also bet maybe we're better at synthesising than we used to be, you know, so it just depends what do you value and are those well, think, more useful skills. Yeah, I think people are probably a lot more literate than they used to be. Oh, yeah, well, that's no doubt about that, um, despite what in people my, say in about my, the current generation. In my personal experience. <laughs> yeah, in my personal experience as well, so that's two of us, so one more person, we're starting yeah. on a trend. Yeah, there's data. <laughs> Three anecdotes is data, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started on that. It drives me crazy because that's the other thing. I think a lot of this is the, um, you know, you've always got to be really aware. I think of the older inverted commas generation criticizing the newer, younger generation, and there's always that element with a lot of these things. So when people talk about, um, you know, education, for example, in the curriculum, it's always back in my day we were do grammar, we knew this and that, and you go well, actually, maybe you did. <laughs> But the majority of people in their 60s and 70s, not the most well-educated people I've ever met. That's just my own personal experience, yeah. you know. So it's just all of that is just this post hoc um, rationalisation, yeah. overgeneralisation. I, I, I think getting the misses. I think there might be an element of um, one-upsmanship involved too, Theo. Yeah, you're right, because Gen X is the best generation, and Generation Y are just completely fucking Yeah, useless. so I remember when they used to feed us coal and beat us until we could say a Latin alphabet. It's like... Yeah, that, and that's, that, that's, I think, a part of it as well. The other thing um, she does in the uh, thing, and I think I cut this bit out, um, but she also talks about the makes it a bit personal, and as you said, you know, she said she got on the defensive. She does go, people are attacking me personally, blah, 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 you know, and it's like, well... That you might read it as that, but they're criticising you because of the way you're characterising these things. Um, 
And, you know, I've got, a, I'll put a link in the show notes to a Ben Goldacre post from 2011 where he deals with that as well. And he actually says, you know, her, his post is about why doesn't she publish a theory in a scientific journal? So instead she's gone for the, oh, I'm going to do a big meta-analysis, as you said, or an over, overarching view and publish a book. But look, that's not peer-reviewed, that book, sure, but it has been criticised for all the things we've brought out. So, you know, I'd, I'd say it's an interesting oh. book, I would say, but it's just, I, you know, without you know, reading it. Sorry, Theo. I just, I just something else has just occurred to me. You know who else is extremely guilty of this sort of stuff? Is Malcolm well, Gladwell. Lots of people. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah all those, those, yeah, those, those people. They're, they're entertaining books, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like um, what, what's the um, the one he did on um, uh, like people like Bill Gates and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, this so he churns them out. Yeah, because there's one that you did tipping point, I know, but there was one he did on um on was people it who blinks or something. There, no, people, no, yeah, no, and again, it, it's really great because when you pick those specific specific example, and it did have some really good points, yeah. like being successful is just being lucky and being in the right place at the right time, and also, you know, practicing and getting good at stuff. Yeah, it was the one where you talked about the ten thousand hours and all that stuff, like the practicing, practicing. Yeah. But the other point he did make, which was good, which is also you just got to be the lucky person to be at the right place, at the right time. But yeah, yeah, absolutely, they're good at. They, what they do is got a narrative and then they pick the stuff to fit the narrative. Yeah. However, he's at least isn't the world is all doomed and we're all fucked because of technology. So I'll give you no, that. No. I may have been straw manning her then. Uh, <laughs> a caricature of her argument. Um, look, the other one, I, it was in this episode and it's not Susan Greenfield. It's actually from a, a um, uh, an audience member uh, and it's another good example of the old, uh, that, that one-upmanship older generation thing you were just talking about. It's almost like being you've listened to all these clips and you've subconsciously given me a segue. <laughs> it's bizarre. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Uh, we have a few other issues to deal with. This, this question is from Anthony Freckleton. Yes, I was uh, Greg Hunt. Uh, given that the Voting age was reduced to 18 because of the Vietnam War, the saying being that if you're old enough to kill, you're old enough to vote. Should it now be looked at again and raised to 21, given that the 18-year-olds have had no life experiences, they're really just going to reflect the views of their teachers and their parents, and yet their voting outcome is obviously effective because you've got people voting. They might look at the colour of your teeth or something. They've, they have no real basis for voting. All right, I'm not going to put that straight away to Greg Hunt. You can think about it and we'll go to Laura. That is, um, that is uh, so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but I, look, I, the reason why I thought that was good because, A, again, it's, another, it's a false generalisation uh, and it's a really good example of that cognitive bias. Um, you know, yeah. One problem among many. <laughs> yeah, and but it's, apart, it's apart from the like, fact yeah, it was a non sequitur as well. It's like, oh yeah, like the non sequitur <laughs> at the beginning. Oh, the saying if you're old enough to join the yeah. army, you should be able to vote. Well, people can still join the army at 18. That hasn't changed. Yeah. Like the logic there would be if you couldn't join the army until you're 21. Yeah. Okay, that logic would follow them. But it's like people can still. Join the army and shoot people when they're eighteen. So sorry. <laughs> and then, but then yeah, the next was... the next point as well is like, what's changed? Why do we? <laughs> Nothing has oh, yeah. changed. Can... Oh yeah, because younger people now are stupider than they used to be, yeah. Ben, and 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 they're much Obviously. more gullible. 
Yeah, yeah, young people are really gullible. But back in the old days, they weren't gullible at all. And as you now know, as, I, I don't know about you, Ben, but when I go hang out with 50 and 60-year-olds who've had life experience, I'm always, I always come away feeling really well-informed and, 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 and enlightened. You know, enlightened and they're, they're so erudite and wise. Hashtag sarcasm. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things that, that um, uh, you just think, yeah, like, and the, the reason, the other reason I picked it as an example, I think it's a really good um, an approach to responding to this. Now, the, the, all the people on the panel responded really well to it, uh, but the other approach is to try substitute substitution or spinning another hypothesis. So you throw the same argument back at him, say, well, actually, no, I disagree. I think voting age should be cut off at 65, the retirement age or whatever that happens to be. Now it might be 67 because why should people who are going to die soon have any say in the future? So, you know, like, yeah. same idea. Well, why don't we cut it off? Because why should you choose? And one of the Well, actually, Theo, that's a, that's a far more sensible idea, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Because well, yeah, why, why should we let them screw us out of the future? That's right. You know? so, yeah. But then, of course, when I'm 65, don't oh, let young people have a vote. <laughs> when I'm 65, because the facts will have changed, yeah. I will have right. changed my opinion. <laughs> that's right. I changed my opinion based on the facts, sir. What do you do? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but but yeah, but that but that's a good example of showing how it's can you make the convenient argument, you know, yeah. to suit your own position, and um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, well, I don't know. I think I think rusted on voters is probably a, more a feature of his generation than ours. Well, that's right, because that, I mean, that's the other thing. What do politicians go for? The swing voters. They know some yeah. people are going to vote one way, and that's it. So they don't have to worry about them. Yeah. Anyway, um, we should have to pass a test before you can vote, Ben. That's a trick. You should actually have to know what the the party's going to do. I think. Yeah, it'd be nice, but how yeah. do you enforce? You know, it's all, all that crap. How do you oh, it's multiple choice like question as you go in yeah, to yeah, vote. Yeah. It's like trick questions. Trick like questions, it, yeah. yeah. But we got an election this weekend, don't we, Ben? Ah, uh, we do. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Although, sorry, I've just I've just mentioned given the time wagon. Damn it! When this episode goes up, there'll be a state election happening. So it yeah. will have been there. W- there was a. State election last weekend. Then will it will be in the past, won't it? Or no, I know because this episode goes up on the day of the uh, state election. So oh, okay. Yeah, so it'll it'll all be happening. Um, state elections aren't as interesting as the federal ones, but you never know. Although this one is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but we won't give away our political biases. Oh, I vote for the sex party. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they have if you win, isn't it? No, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, all right, look, um, last bit of this episode, i got to give it to Tony Jones, um, uh, the host of Q&A, because uh, Susan Greenfield does come up with a nice little um, quote from Michael Faraday, the um, chemist and physicist, uh, but Tony Jones turns it right back on her brilliantly, so I've got to give him some credit for this one. is not hardwired that's the whole point mm. if you're a goldfish you'd have a hardwired brain but we're not goldfish we're human beings which means we're infinitely adaptable and you can send kids away for five days as a recent experiment has done and they increase their interpersonal skills in in five days what i'd like to conclude though in the science is a wonderful quote from michael faraday there's nothing quite as frightening as somebody who knows they're right <laughs> so long live debate <laughs> i thought you were quite scary <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that's all we have time Completely nails her there at the end, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, touche, brilliantly done. So I've got to give him that. I was very yeah. quick. 
because <laughs> that's the issue is, is fundamentally she does she doesn't equivocate enough when she talks about stuff she talks about it like it's certain you know and, yeah. and that's the, that's one of the issues so yeah she may be right but i i mean i just don't think the evidence is there so um no. and just history shows that every generation is paranoid about what's happening you know when they get older what's happening with the technology in the new generation so that's why i'm a bit skeptical Okay. All right. Uh, what's uh, is that it for? Yeah, why not? Let's call it a yeah, night. Okay. Hey? <laughs> right. okay. I don't have anything else to say. I mean, a night or a day or a day. afternoon or whatever it happens to be. time period. So, yeah. The day. <laughs> so that was our um, episode on the unfounded on unfounded generalizations. Um, of course, don't forget uh, to you can purchase the book where I read from. Um, so you kind of got where, the audio book and, and the real budget. If people wanted to buy this book, Theo and. Uh, fund your retirement, where would they go about getting it? Well, then they need to encourage a shitload more people to buy if they want to do that. Um, <laughs> www.skepticsfieldguide.net and there's a nice little tab that says book or ebook or something like that. And it's just $4, Ben, cheap as. And you can also buy a DRM-free um, EPUB version of it uh, from lulu.com, which is pretty good too. So then you can share it with people. Prefer yep. you sell them a copy, but whatever. Um, sorry, not you sell them a copy. You encourage them to purchase a copy because I don't want you to make it for my ebook. Um, <laughs> pretty sure I put that in the license that it's just Creative Commons or something like that. Uh, look, anyway, um, anyway, thanks for that, Ben, and uh, I'll see you on the next episode. Yes. Okay, see you next time, Theo.